Hello and welcome to the Career Speakeasy, a casual, fun, and irreverent place to share ideas about career development, the world of work, and life in general. I'm your host and proprietress, Kelly Nottingham. Growing your career should not be boring. So come on in, pull up a chair, and pick your poison. Ramadan Mubarak to all of my Muslim listeners around the world. Happy spring, everyone! unless you live in the Southern Hemisphere, in which case I hope you're having a fantastic autumn. April, coming up soon, is Stress Awareness Month. Hooray! Stress! What, you're already aware of your stress? Well, maybe. I would argue that a lot of us, myself included, aren't fully aware of how much stress we're dealing with on a daily basis, and we may not be fully aware of how stress is impacting us. So, Don't stress if you're not fully aware, because today's episode is all about stress, what it is, what causes it, how it affects our brains and bodies, and how we can combat it. Now, please note, before we get started, I'm not a licensed mental anything, nor do I play one on this podcast. What we'll be discussing is to get you thinking about your stress, your awareness of your stress, and give you some ideas you can take to your medical or mental health practitioner to discuss further. Much of this episode's more clinical content comes from the American Psychological Association, the U.S. National Institute of Mental Health, and the Mayo Clinic. They have rabbit holes of information about stress management on their websites, so dig in if this floats your boat. Let's start off with what stress is. Stress is a normal reaction to everyday pressures. The National Institute of Mental Health defines stress as simply the brain's response to any demand. Given that definition, not all stress is bad. It simply is a response. How harmful it is really comes down to its intensity, duration, and treatment. Stress can become unhealthy when it upsets our day-to-day functioning. Stress can create changes that affect nearly every system of the body and can influence how we feel and behave. And because it affects both mind and body changes, stress contributes directly to both psychological and physiological disorders and disease. It affects mental and physical health and can reduce our quality of life. Great. Okay. Deep breath, everybody. release a little stress. There are generally three main harmful types of stress, acute stress, chronic stress, and episodic acute stress. Acute stress is normally quick. It's stress and done, like having a heated discussion with a family member that's quickly resolved or rushing to hit a tight deadline that you do hit and then the stress dissipates. Chronic stress is prolonged, like being in a demanding job that never lets up or dealing with a long-term illness, for example. There's no real end in sight to chronic stress. Lastly, there's episodic acute stress. Now, this type of stress is a series of frequent, short-term acute stresses. So, for example, your job has one tight deadline after another. Just when you get through one, the next one pops up and spikes your stress level again. Frequent change can cause this as well. And even positive stress, known as eustress, while exciting or exhilarating, can also take a toll. 
New job, exciting, but stressful. New relationship, exciting, but stressful. New creative project, exciting, but stressful. While all stress can trigger psychological reactions, chronic stress is specifically problematic because it can cause significant harm to the functioning of your body and your brain. Not to mention your soul, but I'm not going to get preachy in this one. Maybe. Let's look at some stressy numbers. The 2015 Stress in America survey found that women consistently struggle with more stress than men. Millennials and Gen X deal with more stress than baby boomers. And this survey didn't seem to address Gen Z at all, probably because most of Gen Z wasn't in the workforce when the survey was done. But y'all are also dealing with a lot of stress. Now, it's critical to note that people who face discrimination based on characteristics like race, disability status, or LGBTQ identification struggle with more stress than people who don't regularly have to deal with those kinds of societal biases. So another layer on your stress cake. All right, that was a 2015 study. That was pre-2016 election, pre-COVID. Want to hear some more stressful numbers, but from 2022? Well, here you go. According to a poll conducted for the American Psychological Association, Americans are struggling with multiple external stressors that are out of their personal control, with a majority of adults citing these areas as sources of significant stress. 83% of respondents said inflation. 75% of respondents said violence and crime. The current political climate for 66% of respondents and the racial climate for 62% of respondents. 27% of the respondents reported that most days they are so stressed they cannot function. Now, this again is U.S. specific, but in talking with friends who live in other countries, this all sounds very familiar worldwide. So there are real causes for our stress. Politics, war, illness, injustice, inflation, layoffs and job instability, which has been in the news a lot lately. By the way, I have two early episodes on dealing with being laid off. Maybe I should re-release those. So these are tangible reasons to be stressed, even though most of those things are out of our control. More on that later. But there are some other issues that I personally think are really contributing to a lot of stress in today's world. First, too much of everything. Just too much. Too much social media, too much clutter, too much junk email, too many passwords to try to remember. The 24-hour news cycle that wants us to panic so we'll watch longer so their ratings go up. General information overload, even too many choices in the grocery store. It's called decision fatigue and it is a thing. Next, the feeling that we have to push to constantly do more and achieve more and earn more and do side hustles and grind so that we feel worthy or validated or successful. And that puts us really out of balance um, in our yin-yang balance. We're really heavy on the yang. Another key stressor is a lack of true interpersonal connections with other people, lack of support systems or community. So many people try to find that through work 
or through social media. And for a few, yeah, social media does work. But for the vast majority, it's just creating a bigger void in our lives than it's actually filling. Okay, so yes, there's stuff to be stressed out about. No, really? Deep breath again. (sighs) Okay, here's a quick aside. If you have, as one of your new goals for this year, to find a job that you really enjoy, but you're having a hard time writing your resume, I can absolutely help with that. I have an online resume course that walks you through the process step-by-step using my 20 plus years of corporate training and development experience to help you craft a resume that's really gonna make you shine. If you're interested, I will link to it in the show notes. Right now we are running uh, that course for only $57. You get lifetime usage out of that course. You can go back and review as many times as you would like. So if you're interested in growing your uh, expertise in writing your own resume and preparing for your interviews with that resume, and if you'd like to support me and the podcast, I would appreciate it. Thanks. Let's move on now to how stress can affect us. So generally speaking, stress can affect us in many common ways. Let's start with your body. You may experience headaches, muscle tension or pain, chest pain, fatigue, change in your sex drive, stomach upset, sleep problems. It can affect your mood, anxiety, restlessness, lack of motivation or focus, feeling overwhelmed, irritability or anger, sadness or depression. It can influence your behavior, overeating or undereating, angry outbursts, drug or alcohol misuse, tobacco use, social withdrawal, exercising less often. So some of those probably sound familiar. Let's dig in further with some brain science. So how does stress affect our brains? You may find when you're stressed that you can't plan. You can't remember anything. You can't make decisions even when you're staring at a to-do list. You may get lost driving home from work. Exposure to both early life stress like child abuse and chronic stress as adults has been linked to reduced volume in two major areas of the brain, the hippocampus and the medial prefrontal cortex. Parts of our brains literally shrink with chronic stress. The hippocampus is located in the middle part of the temporal lobe. It's involved in storing memories in an organized and sequential way. It's our mind palace, if you're a Sherlock Holmes fan. The hippocampus also helps in spatial navigation. Now, stress is a chain reaction. So when you experience a stressful event, the amygdala, a part of the brain that contributes to emotional processing, sends a distress beacon to the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is like a command center and communicates to the rest of the body through your nervous system so you have the energy to fight or fly. This fight or flight response, which we've talked about before on the podcast, causes those outward physical reactions most of us think of about stress, including increased heart rates, heightened senses, a deeper intake of oxygen, and a rush of adrenaline. Then a hormone called cortisol is released. Cortisol helps to refuel and restore the energy we lost in that physical response. When the stressful event is over, 
the cortisol levels will fall and the body ideally returns to normal. While stress itself is not necessarily a problem, that buildup of cortisol in the brain can have long-term effects. That's how chronic stress can lead to health problems. Cortisol also helps regulate blood sugar levels in your cells and helps the hippocampus, where those memories are stored and processed, to function. But when you're under chronic stress, your body makes way more cortisol than it can release. And this is where the problem is. High levels of cortisol can wear down your brain's ability to function properly. It can disrupt your synapse regulation, which means you lose your sociability and you start avoiding interactions with others. Stress can also actually literally kill brain cells. Cortisol also communicates with the immune system to reduce and regulate inflammation. When that gets out of whack, your inflammatory responses may get out of control. Glucocorticoids, including cortisol, are important for regulating the immune system and reducing inflammation. High cortisol levels have been linked to the future development of many, many physical and mental health conditions, including chronic fatigue, metabolic disorders like diabetes and obesity, depression, and immune disorders. Deep breath again. (sighs) Okay, that's the hippocampus. The medial prefrontal cortex is an area in the frontal lobe of your brain that is involved in processing information about the self and others. It regulates emotional responses to stress. It evaluates like risk and reward, and it helps with making decisions based on your past experiences and what's going on in the current situation. Reduced volume in these two areas, the hippocampus and the medial prefrontal cortex, can mean difficulty making decisions, difficulty regulating emotions, and difficulty in learning from experience. Now, while stress can shrink the prefrontal cortex and hippocampus, it can also increase the size of the amygdala, which can make the brain more receptive to stress. Hooray! Chris Berglund writes in Psychology Today that cortisol is believed to create a domino effect that hardwires pathways between the hippocampus and amygdala in a way that might create a vicious cycle by creating a brain that becomes predisposed to be in a constant state of fight or flight. Great. Dr. Carrie Ressler, professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, agrees that chronic stress can rewire the brain. Animals that experience prolonged stress have less activity in the parts of their brain that handle those higher order tasks, for example, the prefrontal cortex. And they have more activity in the primitive part of the brain that's focused on survival, such as the amygdala. He says that it's a lot like what would happen if you exercised one part of your body and not another. The part that was activated more would become stronger, and the part that got less attention would be weaker. This is what appears to happen in the brain when it's under continuous stress. It basically bulks up the part of the brain designed to handle threats and the part of the brain responsible for more complex thought has to take a back seat. And that's why you end up staring at your to-do list for 30 minutes trying to figure out what to start on. Okay, let's end this section with a random fun fact. The word hippocampus comes from the ancient Greek for horse, and sea monster. 
the hippocampus is actually shaped like a little tiny seahorse. So we all have a little seahorse-shaped stress monster in the deepest part of our brain. Isn't that cute and also creepy? All right, so now we're all terrified for our brain health. Let's move on to how stress affects our bodies. The effects of stress on the immune system are complicated, and the effects differ for that acute short-term stress and chronic stress. So acute stress can actually improve immune function in the short term, while chronic stress can suppress it, making us more susceptible to getting sick with colds and the flu. Now, remember all that stuff I just said a few minutes ago about inflammation? Well, stress can facilitate the release of substances known as pro-inflammatory cytokines. Pro-inflammatory cytokines help us fight off disease or infection in the short term. But if the stress goes on for too long or is too severe, it can result in chronic inflammation, which makes us more prone to inflammatory diseases like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and Parkinson's disease. Other systems of the body stop working like they're supposed to, too, including the digestive and reproductive systems. Toxic stress can impair your body's immune system and exacerbate any illness that you already had. Now, chronic stress can contribute to long-term problems for heart and blood vessels as well. That consistent and ongoing increase in your heart rate and the elevated levels of stress hormones and of higher blood pressure can take a toll on your body and can increase your risk for hypertension, heart attack, or stroke. And it also appears that how a person responds to stress can affect your cholesterol levels. Stress is associated with changes in your gut bacteria, which in turn can influence your mood. After all, more serotonin is produced in your gut than in your brain. So the gut's nerves and bacteria strongly influence the brain and vice versa. When the body's stressed, muscles tense up. Muscle tension, it's almost a reflex reaction to stress. The body's way of guarding against injury and pain associated with that fight or flight. With acute stress, the muscles tense up all at once and then release their tension when the stress passes. Chronic stress causes the muscles in the body to be basically in a constant state of tight guardedness. So when your muscles are taut and tense for long periods of time, this may trigger other reactions of the body and even promote stress-related disorders like tension headaches and migraines because your chronic muscle tension in your neck and shoulders and head. You may get pain in the lower back, shoulders, arms, and hands as well, and that's been linked to stress, especially job stress. <sighs> All right, we've gotten the doom part over with. So now that we know how horrible chronic stress is for our bodies, what can we do about it? How can we reduce stress in our lives? I think it's critical to get in tune with our bodies and our thoughts so we can recognize when stress pops up. If you've been dealing with chronic or episodic acute stress for a long time, your baseline stress level is higher than it should be. That means that you may think you're not stressed, but your body is still releasing too much cortisol. You've just gotten used to it. Becoming aware of when and why stress shows up in our daily lives can help us to reset our baseline level of stress so that it's lower than what our chronic 
I'm not that stressed level is. Once you identify what is causing your stress, why you're stressed, come up with a list of things that make you feel less stressed. Post this list up somewhere so you can see it and act on it. As we talked about with our bad, stressy decision-making and memory, don't expect to remember how to make yourself feel better. And this list doesn't have to be full of time-consuming or expensive actions. So here are a few ideas. Try meditating seriously, even if it's with an app, even if you suck at meditating. I know I suck at meditating, but I do really enjoy the Insight Timer app. It has free and paid options and tons of content and tons of guided meditations to help you relax and focus your mind. And there are, some of them are just a few minutes long, all the way up to half an hour long. Try walking meditations. Get out in nature if you can. According to a study sponsored by the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, the average American spends 93% of their time indoors. So let's look to Japan for a lovely practice called forest bathing or shinrin-yoku. Shinrin in Japanese means forest and yoku means bath. So shinrin-yoku means bathing in the forest atmosphere or taking in the forest through our senses. It's not exercise, nor is it a series of photo ops for social media. Leave your phone at home or turn it off. The goal is to unplug from your stress and connect to your senses. Walk aimlessly and slowly, soaking in the sights, sounds, smells, and textures of the trees. Even if you don't have a forest, find a tree and try this. You can also try mindfulness practices. This means being fully present and aware in any situation. If you eat in front of the TV every night, try eating with no screens on. Really savor your dinner. That's mindfulness. And practicing this mindful monotasking, the skill of being able to focus purposefully on a single activity without distraction, will get stronger with practice. And you'll find you can apply it to so many different areas of your life. Find what you can control and actively focus on letting go of what you can't control. One of my favorite sayings is, not my circus, not my monkeys. I say it out loud to myself when I need to let go of a situation I can't control. Watch your inputs. If you spend all day doom scrolling through news articles or social media that makes you feel less than, to quote Nine Inch Nails, Find something else to input into your mind. Read an uplifting book. Go outside and look for birds. Just as we are what we eat, our brains are heavily influenced by what we feed it. Set up a routine and put as much on autopilot as possible. This helps your brain to let go of something it now doesn't need to remember. For example, always put your keys in the same spot when you come in the door. I put a reminder on my phone for my dog's monthly heartworm prevention. Now I know I don't have to remember that and can let that brain cell relax and do something else. Dr. Ressler, that professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, also advocates for routines. He says, predictability combats stress. Get a good night's sleep. Stress can cause sleep difficulties and the resulting lack of sleep can make stress worse. 
Sleep deprivation can really affect your higher order brain function. So go to bed and wake up at the same time each day as much as possible. Avoid caffeine in the afternoon and create a relaxing sleep environment with ideally no screens. Oh yeah, goal subtraction. Aim to do less. Be aware of compensation behaviors related to stress. Maybe you reach for carbs when you're stressed or nicotine or alcohol, or you sleep in whenever possible, or you stop going out to meet friends. You may not necessarily tie those things to stress, but it could be stress that's causing them. Take control by finding healthier alternatives to some of these potentially harmful behaviors. Now, I strongly recommend connecting with family and friends because that support network can alleviate so much stress in your life going forward. Aim to find active ways to manage your stress. Inactive ways to manage stress, like watching television or surfing the internet or playing video games, they may seem relaxing, but they may increase your stress over the long term. Relax your muscles. This is one of the many reasons I love belly dance. It uses both contractions of the muscles and relaxation of the muscles to achieve the moves. I find that focusing on relaxing my muscles helps to reduce my muscle tension dramatically within just the first few minutes of my dance classes. Now, it could be because I'm also breathing deeper. How do you breathe? Try becoming aware of your breathing a few times throughout your day and take a minute to do a few deeper breaths to reset yourself. Now, if you say, well, that's just adding something else to my to-do list, set a reminder on your calendar to breathe for one minute. Find a therapist. You can go in person. You can find therapists online. You can even do calls with no video chat so you don't have to even put on eyeliner. Some therapists work through chat. Don't underestimate the power of therapy to help you deal with your stress. And lastly, don't add to your stress by trying to do all of these at once. Take your time. Pick up one idea and experiment with it. If you like it, keep it. If you don't, try something else. All right, everyone, have a wonderful stress-reducing day. I'm going to go mindfully pet my cat now. Bye. Well, thanks for joining me. If you have suggestions, feedback, or just something random you want to share, email me at careerspeakeasy at gmail.com and come visit again soon. Cheers.